hello and welcome to Pure Worship Radio. This is Scott Cunningham and I'll be your host as we highlight and interview various worship leaders and artists who love Jesus and are writing songs that both edify the church and glorify Christ. Our mission is to capture the story behind the songs and the heart behind the music. So thanks for joining us today. We pray that you're greatly encouraged by our time of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that help make melody in our heart to the Lord. And today we're really excited to have with us touring artist and worship leader Dominic Bali, and we'll start off today's program with a few songs from his recent projects. with tongues of angels If I can foretell truth from fable lies Restore the broken and disabled See visions in the night like Daniel saw I know only love is able I know only love is able I know only love is able All we need is All we need is love Poses faith like Moses. If I never see the hurt and broken hope, and even if this Babylon prevailed, I know only love is able of everything that rules a nation. I know only one that cannot fail. I know only love is able. It's all we need is all we need is love. All we need is all we. That was music from Dominic Bali here on Pure Worship Radio, and today we have the privilege of having him on the program to get to know him a bit better. And Dominic, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so great to have you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I've already said your name wrong in this opening, Dominic Bali, <laughs> but it's actually Dominic Bali, as in Cali, correct? Bali like Cali, that is <laughs> correct. Uh, I've been saying it wrong for so many years. You know what? Joey Brand with Worship Generation, like 14 years ago, I think started 
started the entire Cabbage Chapel world saying it wrong. And uh, here we are, 14 years later, everybody's still saying it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, hey, today, before we start talking about your songs, let's get started with uh, your personal history, your personal testimony, how you came to know the Lord, and how you got started in music. Well, my spiritual testimony goes something like I I grew up going to church. My, My dad was a pastor, my grandpa was a pastor, and I never doubted, you know, that... Jesus was the only way, and that God created me to have a relationship with Him, and that Jesus was the way for my sins to be forgiven and for me to come back to God. But as much as I believed that, um, I loved sin, you know, and I loved I loved partying, and I loved just indulging my flesh. And so uh, when I was, you know, in junior high, I started doing all that stuff, you know, girls and smoking a lot of pot and uh, just trying to fulfill this this deep thing in me. And I was scared to death that uh, that Jesus was going to return, you know, because I knew for sure I was going to hell because I, I knew it was true, you know. Like I had no doubt that Jesus was the only way, but I just loved my sin. And I, I wasn't ready to count the cost. You know, Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? Like you got to count the cost and there's a cost you know there's a lot of sacrifice involved in following jesus and i think a lot of times we make it uh so like easy and cute and like hey say this prayer and raise your hand and now you're born again and you're going to heaven and it's like well yeah i mean there's some some truth in that but there's also this huge cost that is involved in taking up our cross and denying ourselves and and i knew that there was a big cost and i just wasn't ready to to do that and then uh you know i used to tell i used to tell god i would say hey god can you just can you just wait to like come back until after i'm done with college because when i'm done with college i'm gonna like follow you because i know that's going to be the best thing for my life i know you got a plan for my life but until you know i'm done with college i just want to i just want to party i just want to like indulge myself in sin and it was a it was a funny, it's a funny prayer that I often prayed. Um, but when I was 16, um, I had, you know, gone to this summer camp like every year of my life in the summer and the winter up in in the Big Bear area. And uh, I, you know, finally just came to a point where I was like, man, I, I've tried like every sinful, indulgent thing I could try, and I still haven't found it, you know, like, like Bono said in that U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it's because, you know, I wasn't looking for stuff or relationships or, you know, some kind of like stimulant or some kind of popularity. You know, I was like quarterback of the football team and had a lot of friends and all that stuff. Mm. And I liked the way I looked and everything, but I still hadn't found what I was created for. And I knew that was Jesus. So when I was 16, I surrendered to to the Lord and said, all right, I'm done. And, you know, it was really, it was really difficult for me. I went back to school and the particular school that I went to out in the Coachella Valley, I didn't know a single other Christian. And I'm pretty positive there wasn't another Christian on that entire campus of 2,000 people. And so I would go home after football games on Friday night and instead of going to parties and smoking with my friends and trying to sneak out from my house, I would just go home and read my Bible by myself, and it was a extremely lonely 
lonely time, but um, that was part of counting the cost. You know, it was like, dude, I don't have any friends. I, I try to like still hang out and go to the parties and just like, you know, resist or be a light or whatever. And I was just like, man, I, I can't. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that. You know, and so yeah. it was a lonely road. But um, I've been following him ever since. I'm 33 now, and um, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's great. Now, I first met you when you were down in San Diego. I was a youth pastor in North San Diego County, and I remember mm-hmm. um, watching you at, a, at an outreach uh, do some music. That was my first time hearing you play, and, and I could tell from, from even back then that God had definitely gifted you to do that. W- where did you get started in music? How did that kind of start for you into what you're doing today? Yeah, so um, my, my parents uh, got divorced when I was like four or five, and uh, my dad is, <laughs> my dad's totally tone deaf, like still to this day. I love him to death, but he's entirely tone deaf, can't tap his foot to a beat, has no sense of rhythm. <laughs> my mom is a, a music teacher. She she writes songs, has like a beautiful Disney, you know, voice. Yeah. She uh, She's like a really talented musician, um, writes musicals, you know, for like high schools and and so I grew up, <clears throat> I lived with my mom until I was 12, and uh, I grew up around music. Like, our, there were six kids in the, in the family. My mom got remarried, and my stepdad had a couple of kids, and so there were six of us in that house growing up. And everybody in that house could sing, you know? Like, most little kids, even if they're kind of pitchy, they can at least, like, sing their ABCs. They, they hit the right notes, you know, unless yeah. they're born tone deaf. Um, and so we grew up with just a lot of music in the house. You know, we'd have dance nights every Thursday night, and my mom was constantly writing songs. And she, you know, uh, wrote this whole children's album called Learn Something New that she wanted all the kids to sing on. Mm. And even though everybody else in that family could sing, I was legitimately tone deaf, just like my dad. I was born with this neurological thing that didn't allow me to um, decipher different notes, you know, like there's, there was something broken in my brain and my mom tried and tried and tried. And uh, the first time somebody else said something to her and acknowledged it was when we were recording the children's album that she had written. Uh, it was called Learn Something New. And she had all of, all of us come in the studio and we all sang. And, uh, and then she, <laughs> she wrote this song called, reading rap where it was like a you know it was like a, a rap like an 80s rap that she wanted me to do because she knew i was tone deaf and she was like well let's give dominic something where it doesn't require any like singing or any melody he can just kind of talk in rhythm and in time and it'll be good and so it was like a minute and a half long song and after three hours of me not being able to like like talk it on time because i had no sense of rhythm and i was tone deaf uh, the you know the engineer just pulled her aside and said, "Hey, I, I don't know if you know this, but your son has like absolutely no natural musical ability. He can't even hear where like kind of where the beats are, <laughs> and he's entirely tone deaf. I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna have to mute his microphone in all of the the group uh, singing parts." And my mom just kind of you know put her head down, and was like, ah, "I know." <laughs> and so nobody ever told me though. I was you know eight or ten or something when that happened. Um, when I was twelve years old, I I moved in with my dad and my stepmom, and uh, I, I asked my dad, "Dad, can I start playing drums?" Uh, I loved music, you know, even though I was tone deaf and I had no sense of rhythm. Uh, 
nobody told me that. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that yet because that's not the kind of thing you just tell your kid unless you have to. Right. Um, and, but I asked my dad, Dad, can I, can I play the drums? I really want to play the drums, which is, you know, funny for a kid who has no sense of rhythm. And my dad said, hey, drums are really loud and they're expensive and they take a lot of space. How about this? I'll get you an acoustic guitar if you take guitar lessons for the next year and you're still loving it and you still want drums, then I'll buy you a drum set. And so I was like, oh, man, acoustic guitar, that's like country singers. I don't want to be a country musician. But I reluctantly agreed, and uh, I called my mom and said, Mom, you're going to be so excited. You know, like, I, I, she's a musician, right? I thought she'd be excited. I said, uh, Dad's buying me a guitar, and um, I'm going to take guitar lessons. And on the other end of the song, it was just silence and <laughs> I was like, Mom, what, you know, what? And she just kind of deeply breathed, and she sighed, and she was like, hey, Dom, um, that's awesome. I'm really excited for you. But, honey, did you know that you're tone deaf and that you have no sense of rhythm? <laughs> and I was just like, what, what, what do you mean? What? The, wait, I thought you were going to be excited for me. Thanks for, like, crushing my dreams. Oh, man. And so that was the first time I realized, whoa, I'm, I'm not tone deaf. But when you're tone deaf, you can't tell. You don't know anything different. I'd never heard anything different. And so um, I started playing guitar, and my guitar was permanently out of tune because I was tone deaf. I would have no idea until somebody would come in the room, hear me playing, and say, hey, dude, your guitar sounds weird, like musician or not. Like everybody can tell if a you know, guitar is way out of tune. And they'd say, dude, your guitar is like, there's something wrong with it, man. Like, do you need to tune it or something? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. And I'd go grab a tuner. Oh, yeah, it's, it's totally out of tune, man. I didn't know. And uh, and so I, I learned all the chords, and I would I would learn songs, you know, from like Guitar Player Magazine, whatever was on the radio, and I would try to sing them, and I would sing them. And I wouldn't know that it sounded bad or good. I couldn't hear anything. I was tone deaf. But and as soon as somebody else came in the room, they were like, hey, man, you... You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't sing like you know. Just try to play the guitar or whatever. Use your tuner, keep it in tune, but you shouldn't sing. But I was I was committed. I was dedicated. I've always had a lot of drive and a lot of work ethic, and so I I wanted to make it happen. So I kept playing, and uh, my fingers eventually learned you know what to do. But I still couldn't hear anything. And then when I was 16, like I said, I I really surrendered my life to Jesus and had like a legitimate encounter with Jesus, and I was like born again and god began to heal my heart but something else happened in that moment when i came back from that camp i picked up my guitar and i strummed it and for the first time in my life i heard that it was out of tune mm. and i was like this thing sounds horrible and i was like wait a minute my guitars never sound horrible because <laughs> when you're tone deaf you can't hear if anything sounds horrible or good yeah. it just all sounds you know like nothing and so I was like, what? That's weird. My, my guitar just sounds out of tune. I've never heard that before. And so I got a tuner and I tuned it and I was like, oh, that sounds better. And then I opened my mouth to sing and I was like, whoa, that doesn't sound right. And I was like, wait a minute. I've never sang something that didn't sound right because when you tone deaf, you can't tell if it sounds right or not. You know, as time went on, I realized, whoa, <laughs> I think there was something wrong with me and I think there's not something wrong with me now. And you know, then my mom eventually started to like hear it. And I was, I was still like horribly pitchy. Like I was like a three-year-old singing. I was hitting the notes, but I 
nobody wanted to listen to me sing. It wasn't like I had a good voice. It was just like yeah. I could hear pitch for the first time. It wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden I sounded like I do now or <laughs> even half as good as I do now. But um, I had the heart, you know, and so I started writing. And then my my grandpa, who pastors uh, a church out in Palm Springs, it's, it used to be called Calvary Chapel, Palm Springs. It's called The Bridge now. He uh, He was the first person who ever invited me to, like, like sing somewhere and like he said hey w- would you come lead worship at our church like in the main service you know with 500 adults or whatever and i was like what yeah and i was i was 17 years old i'd only been healed for a year so i could barely barely sing i was like really pitchy but he just you know he saw something on my life as like a you know an anointing or whatever you want to call it as a worship leader and said hey I, you know i'd like you to come lead worship and so I did, and, you know, people worshipped, and I, I know it wasn't because, obviously, because I had, like, a beautiful voice that they wanted to sing with. Um, there was just something special that happened, and and so I, you know, I kept singing, I kept leading worship, and when I was 18, I was graduating high school, and uh, I I loved music, but I knew I didn't have a good voice, I, but I was thankful that I wasn't tone deaf anymore, and so I said, man, maybe I can do something in music. That would be crazy. Like, maybe I could, you know, go into, like, production or something. Because the thought of singing something and having people want to listen to me yeah. was absurd. Like, when you're tone deaf your whole life, the idea of people choosing to sit in your presence and listen to you sing is absurd. Like, it wasn't yeah. so absurd that it's not even something you would consider. And so I never, ever considered the idea that, I would write songs that people would actually want to listen to or much less pay money for. Like that would be insane. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll go to music school or something and learn how to produce. Um, I didn't have money for that. So my dad offered to pay for me to go to Bible college. And so I went to, I went to Bible college and I was going to stay there for a semester and then go to the musical Institute in Hollywood to learn how to produce. And while I was there my first semester, something crazy happened that's you know only happened maybe once or twice in my life and i i felt like god like spoke to me like so clear that it was almost audible it was just like clear as day and he just told me that um he wanted to use my songs to speak to the world and i was like my songs <laughs> yeah like i write songs but it's just always like a fun joke it's like yeah I, I had this like ska band when i was in high school but it was just like because it was fun it wasn't because i thought anybody was actually gonna like listen to it or pay money for it and so i dude i just broke and i was like weeping mostly because i was so humbled i was like god are you kidding me like i can barely sing like barely it's insane that people even let me lead worship somewhere and my guitar is still kind of out of tune all the time because <laughs> like i said i was like a you know, a three-year-old or a five-year-old at that point, it was like, yeah, I wasn't tone deaf, but I wasn't like musically uh, anything good at that point. And so, but I, I believed him and I was like, all right, all right, Lord, I, I guess I won't go to, you know, production school. I'll just stay here and I'll, I'll start a band and I'll start writing songs. And so I did, I did, you know, I started this band called Ambassadors for Christ because I was a self-righteous uh, Bible college student, and I thought, what's like the most spiritual, like Jesusy name I could come up with? <laughs> so, like, we called it uh, called it Ambassadors for Christ, and and Joey Brand, um, he had just started this thing called Worship Generation, and he was one of my teachers at at the Bible college, and 
And uh, he liked me for whatever reason, and he heard some of the music we were playing, and he said, hey, man, would you guys come and, you know, play some music? And so that was kind of like the beginning of what I thought was God fulfilling his promise to me of, hey, I want to use your music to, like, speak to the world. And I I tried to do that for, for like, three years, man, poured my life into it, and uh, it, so much so that it became like God to me. It became like idolatry to me. I, you know, I think sometimes we take what God says and we take kind of his like word that he gives us and we're like, okay, that's it. That's the reason I exist. And the truth is we don't exist for, for stuff. We don't exist to serve God. We don't exist for ministry or telling people about Jesus. We exist for relationship with God, like that's why He made us. He doesn't He doesn't need us to do His work. Yeah. But I, I didn't understand that. I thought God created me for this like music ministry, and so it became my everything. It it quite honestly became idolatry, and God isn't down with that. You know, that's mm-hmm. like uh, He's jealous, and that's like another God to Him. And so He began to just tear it down. And uh, it was during that time that you met me. Scott, like in, in San Diego, I was I was playing with that band and doing stuff with Joey Grand and Worship Generation, and I kind of, you know, learned how to decently sing, at least kind of on pitch by that point, and I'd become a pretty good musician as far as, like, guitar playing and writing cool parts was concerned, and so that kind of covered up any lack I had in my in my vocals, but um, God God just began to tear that, that band down, and to the point where I was destroyed, dude, like, he... I felt like he literally just destroyed my life and pulled the rug right out from under me. And all of a sudden I was standing, I was just exposed with like nothing. Like I was just like naked and I had no foundation. And I was like, why am I even existing? Like I'm not playing music. This is why God created me. Why am I even here? And I was really mad and angry at God. And I just wanted, I wanted to die. I, I went a month just feeling like depressed, looking for anything I could find to like, satisfy this this hole that this uh idol had 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 filled you know mm. and after a month i sat down with god and i just said god what are you doing why are you doing this and he just said so sweetly to me dominic i didn't i didn't send my son to die and raise from the dead so that you could play music or write songs i i sent my son so that you could be with me that's it. Yeah. That's why. And so at that point, I, I gave up the dream of doing music. I, I, I realized it was idolatry, and I felt like I'd committed adultery on God. And so I was like over it. It was like disgusting to me. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'll lead worship, you know, but, and I might write songs. I'm never going to like try to pursue doing music again. And then I, I moved to Carpinteria. Um, another, you know, a crazy story. We, felt called really strongly to help out with this brand new church plant called Reality Carpinteria. And um, we moved up here where I live now and started leading worship volunteer at this church. And I, I got a, a license to drive school buses to try to make money. Mm. And then a year after I was here, somebody called and asked if I would come play a concert. And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't do that anymore. And they said, well, can you at least pray about it? And I said, all right, I'll pray about it. And I got off the phone and I prayed and I said, God, you know, this This guy asked me to pray about this thing, but I don't really want to pray about it because this is, I would feel like I'm committing an affair, you know, having an affair again. Mm. 
And uh, I just felt like God said, hey, this is me now. Like, it's not you. Before it was you, but this is this is me. And so I just I just started to open myself up to, like, the idea of God doing something with me in music, but from a very surrendered, very broken place. And then God just started opening up doors. You know, that was eight years ago. The next thing I knew, you know, my album's being featured on iTunes, and I was getting open for guys like Ziggy Marley and Jason Mraz, and I was playing in clubs all over the place. And, you know, I, was, I would talk about Jesus, and people would ask me to come back, and it was just like, what the heck? And yeah. and then, uh, you know, I got invited to go to Brazil a few years ago with this band called Christ of Far Eye. We did like 25 shows. That I, I opened up for them, and, and that just started this really cool steamrolling thing in Brazil where I go back now and I... I do my own headlining tours there, and it's like a thousand people to four thousand people a night buying tickets, and it's a it's a really beautiful thing. Like I don't even speak the language, but they're singing every lyric at the top of their lungs and dancing and experiencing the the presence of God and spirit of God moving. And so yeah, man, I'm yeah. I'm humbled. I still get on stage every single night and terrified that I'm going to open my mouth and not not be able to hear the right notes. It is like the most insecure part of my life. And, uh, I guess that's the way God wants it, you know, cause it keeps me extremely dependent, you know? And, uh, yeah. it's, it's still like the, the scariest part of what I do. And I'm, so I'm extremely humbled and honored that God would let me sing and that people would actually want to listen because I really shouldn't be singing, you know? That's a miracle, man. It's very cool to hear that backstory and kind of how the Lord's worked in your life and kind of given you the ability that you need to do what he's called you to do. And I love that verse in First Peter says that to minister with the ability that he supplies. And mm. I think you're a great example of that, just ministering with God's ability, you know, in your weakness. That's so cool. So let's talk about some of the music that you've written over the years. Well, we can drill down onto some of the specific songs. So let's go back and look at some of the, um, maybe some of your favorite songs that you've written over the years, and we'll talk about uh, one of them now, and we'll just start making our way through some of your catalog. Yeah, I think if I go back to my first real album, um, the song that's kind of become my favorite to people and is still one that I, I always play, even if I'm like leading worship somewhere, just because it's like a it's a really worshipful song is uh is a song called warrior and when when our church reality carpenteria started um the verse that god gave Britt merrick and his wife kate was this passage from isaiah i think it's in 42 where it says uh the coastland shall de- declare the, the praise of god and it was the same verse that god spoke to my wife and i and when he told us that we were supposed to move up to Carpinteria, and we didn't know that it was the same verse that Britt and Kate had received from God about the church. But um, that verse goes on to say that, and the Lord shall be like a man of war, and he shall be like a warrior who shouts out with a triumphant cry of victory over his enemies. And so that was kind of like the theme passage for for my church reality. And so one day I just said, man, I want to sit down and write a song about that. And I think sometimes when we think about God, we just kind of picture him as this, like, sweet, gentle, kind, compassionate, patient, like, grandpa almost. Mm. And he is all of those things. 
and yet at the same time, he's the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, we don't always think of God like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what Isaiah was saying. He's like, dude, the Lord is, he's a warrior. He's like a man of war. And, you know, when you see that picture of Christ triumphing over the enemy in the cross and making a public spectacle of him, like, you know, they used to put their foot on somebody's head after they had defeated him, like David putting his foot on Goliath's head, making a public spectacle of him. Like, dude, that's, that's God. And I'm so thankful, man, because there's so many, there's so many enemies in this world. I'm not, I'm not talking about, about people. Like, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but there's so many enemies. And I, I'm, in a, I'm in a really hard time in our personal life right now. You know, my wife is pregnant with our fourth child, and our baby has a, a birth defect called anencephaly, mm-hmm. which means the whole top of their skull never develops, and so their brain doesn't develop. And uh, we decided to, you know, not terminate the pregnancy, even though there's a zero survival rate. And so in January, this baby's going to be born and the baby will die, um, you know, either when it comes out or within, you know, an hour or two or maybe a couple of days. And as I think about that, and you know, this isn't the way it was meant to be, but I think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, one day Jesus is going to come and he's going to make all things right. And every wrong will be righted and every enemy will be defeated and the last enemy to be defeated shall be death Mm. and there shall be no more death and there shall be no more suffering and and so when i think about god and i think about every enemy of his and that someday he's going to come back and he's going to destroy every enemy i'm like dude god's not just some grandpa sitting on a throne, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's a warrior and we need to, to realize that, you know, and allow ourselves to trust him. Like there's nothing, there's nothing too big. There's nothing too hard for him. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Say la. Watch through the wilderness, the earth shook below The heavens stopped at your presence, dropped rain Five thousand years is still the same So when the enemy comes at me with tactics of fear and faith Like the Lord cracked the sky in the gate for rain So my enemies will be made of the stool before the king One by one they'll fall as enemy armies march and sing The Lord is a warrior who fights With all of his might, the enemy's fright and his triumph cry I shout the victory over his enemies and hit before the Lord. He's like a man of war, his light, who shattered the dogs from night to try and cry. Well, the Lord is my shelter from my enemies. I will not fear what they can do to me. In the struggle, I find strength for the fight. We'll raise the banner high until we break the night. With spiritual armor, for the weapons of this warfare are far from carnal, but mighty in God, but tearing down strongholds. The Lord is a warrior who fights with all of his might. The enemy's 
fright and the strife cry I shout the victory I shout the victory over his enemies and hero for the Lord It's like a man of war is light who shatter the dogs from night to try and cry We marching up and etching us upon the wind This battle goes on and on We speak and battle from dawn to dawn My king give it to be all alone We don't listen to you for day in the day For my troubles and the world that you say My friends are right and I choose the battle I listen until I can wake your praise and aid Running in the race to the day race And I'm throwing up rain Gonna make case Enemy can stay gonna vacate When the rain in the program Let's say the Lord And they're gonna find it with the mother mother They're gonna sign up with the other But I heart up in the battle With the valley of a shadow But we got another one With the Dominic Bally here on Pure Worship Radio, and we're just getting the chance to hear some of the stories behind the songs and the heart behind the music. And Dominic, so great to have you on the program. Let's continue to talk about these songs the Lord's given you over the years, and maybe one from one of your your original projects. Yeah, um, there's this song called You Are There on my second album that I wrote uh, four years ago, right as I was making the transition from being like a full-time church staff worship leader into doing full-time music and it's funny scott because right right around then i saw you down at calvary costa mesa and i had, had worship or something somewhere and my my uh, solo music my artist music was kind of like starting to grow mm-hmm. and uh, our church reality was starting to grow we were like planning churches and then we were also starting like satellite campuses you know around this area and it was just becoming really busy. Everything was growing, and and you said to me, "Dude, how do you how do you juggle everything? Like, how do you juggle being like a worship leader and a pastor, and doing like your music?" Mm. And it was kind of the first time that I said out loud, "Oh my gosh, I I don't know if I can juggle it." And you were like the first person to like somehow draw that out of me. Yeah. And I, I had been feeling like that for like a year, but I never said it out loud because it, I didn't, I didn't want to face what that meant. Mm. 
And what that meant was either I'm never doing my music again, but it was so obvious that God was like in it, or I'm not working at this church that I pretty much helped start and was like my family and my best friends and just this like every great relationship I had. And it was this awesome move of God. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to do one of those if I if I come to grips with this fact that I mm. that I can't juggle both. But you helped me see that, and then the next day, um, ironically, Britt was like, "Hey, dude, let's let's talk, man. I want to just like talk to you about your life." And he just said, "Bro, what what does the future look like for you, man? God's obviously doing rad stuff through your music, and God's also doing like rad stuff through reality, and we're we're growing, and it's just like." it's crazy. We're planting churches and starting other campuses and, and, uh, you know, like what, what does the future look like? And I just broke and I was like, dude, I don't think I could do this job anymore. And he was like, Whoa, what? And so over the next like three hours, me and him and pastor G, one of the other pastors on staff, we together just discovered that God was calling me to step out in faith. And, uh, I wasn't at a place in my career where I could actually afford financially mm. to make a living doing music. But it was so obvious that God was calling us to do that. Uh, the other part of the story is that two nights before my wife and I were praying and we were talking and we were like, dude, we, our life is so abundant right now. We had just bought our first house and we had a like nice car. We had two nice cars. And because my music was growing a little bit, like I just had way more money than I needed because I was like working full time at a church and I just, we just had like money and it was just like, yeah. we were buying stuff and we were just like living the American dream, you know, and we had like a little white ticket fence and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just like, we were just feeling the abundance of it. But in that we were really feeling like we were becoming complacent in our faith because dude, money and it's the root of all kinds of evil. And so we started praying, God, can you make us need you again? Like, mm -hmm. we just want to, like, need you. We used to. We used to need you for, like, our groceries and our rent and stuff. And now it just feels like we don't we don't need you. If you, like, mm -hmm. stop providing for us, it's all good because I'm, like, selling CDs and touring and the church is paying me and blah, blah, blah. So we, we prayed, God, would you make us need you again? And I tell you, Scott, that is a dangerous thing to pray, bro. Like, <laughs> don't pray that unless... <laughs> you're ready for God to do something because two days later I was sitting in a meeting with two of my best friends and pastors and realizing that I wasn't really going to, I wasn't going to have a job anymore. Yeah. And so I went home that night and I said, Hey, M, my wife's name's Emily. And I said, Hey, M, uh, remember how two nights ago we were praying that God would cause us to need him again. And she was like, yeah, what, what, what's up? And I was like, well, I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I told her what happened and she just got on her face and started thanking God. And, and I joined her and we were like, all right, this is it. I literally don't know how I'm going to pay my bills one month from now, mm. but God said, do it. And we're going to do it. And the next week, uh, this dude called me who I'd never met before. He had never met me. He didn't even go to our church. And he said, Hey man, I just watched a podcast where you were um, talking about that you're like leaving, you know, you're not going to be on staff anymore and you're stepping out to do full-time music. And God, God told me I'm supposed to give you $10,000. Wow. And I was like, 
wait, what's your name? <laughs> Who are you? And, uh, and that was the beginning of God just saying, hey, dude, I got you. I'm going to provide mm. for you. Yeah. yeah, like you don't make enough money selling CDs and playing shows to actually pay your bills. Mm. But I got you. I'm going to provide for you. Mm. And we were ready. Dude. We were ready to like buy a $5,000 RV and live in it and just like, you know, foreclose on our house we had just bought. We were ready. But we knew God was going to be faithful. And so I, I wrote the song called You Are There, just in a lyric just says, like, dude, no matter where life goes, you're there. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know, like, how I'm going to put bread on the table, but I do know that you're there. Mm. Like, that that I can be sure of. And uh, like King David said, hey, I've been young and now I'm old, and never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Like, God is there. And he said, nor his descendants begging for bread. Mm-hmm. And it's been four years now, and some some months I honestly have no clue how we're making it. A lot of months, actually, but God has been faithful. We actually still have our house. We still make our payments. And, yeah, it's, like, really tight financially, a lot tighter than it used to be most months. But um, God's with us, and mm-hmm. and we're being obedient, you know, and there's a lot of joy and fulfillment in that. I know you are there, you are there no matter where life goes, you are there, you are there. Tick tock, the clock stops for no one. This crazy rat race is no fun. Hold on, I wanna stand strong. But I ain't got no strength left to stand on Bills stack on my back, I'm nervous Please someone carry this burden's lonesome Feeling abandoned But you said you never leave my side I know you out there, you out there No matter where life goes You out there, you out there Life goes, you 
listening to Dominic Valley here on Pure Worship Radio, and we've been talking about some of the songs that he's written through the years and getting some of the backstory. And we're going to talk about really this new project that you've been working on, Dominic, coming up. It's actually released in October, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's called, uh, this new album is called Not For Sale, and it's uh, officially releasing October 28th. And I'm actually doing something that I've never done before and I've wanted to do ever since I saw the Keith Green documentary like 15 years ago. <laughs> but uh, we're actually going to make this album available for free um, online, like a, a free download. And it's it's ironic because, well, first of all, that the title of the album is called Not For Sale, which is ironic uh, and has nothing to do with the fact that we're uh, offering it as a free download. But it, it's also ironic because... I have spent more money and more time on this album than anything I've ever done. I literally took off a year and a half of my life. Like, I played just a couple of times, like a couple of shows. Uh, I didn't make any money. Like, there was people supporting me like a missionary so that I could write this new album. Like, I wrote 50 songs for this new album, and uh, it was the most vulnerable, transparent hardest thing I have ever done musically wow. and I think it's by far the best music I've ever written mm. and so it's like if there was ever an album that like more of the world would want to buy it would be this one mm. but it's because of that and because of like the songs are so important to me that I was like man I don't want anything to hinder people getting this album especially not money and so it's it's actually going to be available uh you know, for a free download. Obviously, it'll still be, you know, available to purchase on iTunes, and we'll, you know, we'll make physical CDs, and obviously we always appreciate people, you know, paying money for that. But, uh, yeah, it's called Not For Sale, coming out October 28th, mm. doing a big uh, CD release show at, at my church, Reality, on uh, October 25th. So that's going to be it's gonna be fun. But, um, yeah, man, it was a, it was an, a beautiful experience. Um, writing and recording this record. I'm extremely excited about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk about one of those songs that you want to highlight from that project. Uh, yeah, I think the song that's dearest to my heart on the album is the first song on the album. It's called No Stopping Us. And uh, I, don't, I don't really talk about this really ever, but um, I, I came from a broken home, as I mentioned earlier, and even me mentioning that earlier, you know, that my parents got divorced when I was four, uh, that, that's not something I usually say when people are interviewing me or when I'm usually talking in public. And until this year, I didn't actually realize that I was affected by it. You know, my, my older sister, I, it always seemed like she was affected more than me. And um, I had a friend come to me and say, hey, I think, I think, I think you got jacked up you know, from your parents being separated. And I think you don't ever want to deal with it. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Mm. And I, I just took it to God and said, God, is this true? Like, am I messed up because of my parents being divorced? And, uh, through a lot of like searching, I realized like, Whoa, I have a lot more issues than I realized from, from that. And, you know, from my my mom telling my dad, hey, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And so my dad having to leave and, you know, like everything that comes with that and my dad not being around then, you know, because they were divorced. And and so 
this song, No Stopping Us, was the first time ever that I have even alluded to the fact that I came from a broken home. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this whole album was inspired by the least of these, you know, like the marginalized mm-hmm. and the orphan and the downcast. And uh, my same friend who, who was talking to me about the fact that I came from a broken home and challenging me to like really press into to that, um, she said, hey, I, in our country, I think, the least of these are they're they're you they're kids like you you know the kids in this country that are the least of these are the kids who came from broken homes and that's that's 50 percent of our country you know that's half of the kids in this country mm-hmm. that have come from broken homes and uh so this song was like the, it was the first time i ever said anything and um about coming from a broken home and and then it, it was also the first time that i ever like told my wife's story and she she came from a broken home and you know got strung out on speed and was in rehab for like months of her freshman year in high school and you know her mom found her in a gutter and her parents got divorced in her whole life you know she was trying to forgive her father and and then she she was just numb you know like couldn't feel anything and so she would cut and then got into witchcraft and just like all this, like, you know, stuff trying to like mm-hmm. find something, trying to find something to hold on to, dude. And that is, that's our country, man. That's like, yeah. that's people driving in their cars right now, listening to this radio show, like sitting in the back seat, you know, and their parents are driving and they don't want to talk about it. And that's like, that's like them and that's real. Mm-hmm. And I just never been so exposed before. And I, it was scary, you know, and I did it in like a really, uh, fun loving kind of way like the music is like this lighthearted package but it's like this really you know like heavy content and I think that made it a little bit more digestible because if the content would have been so heavy and the music was heavy it just would have been like dang I don't, I don't want to live anymore listening to this song <laughs> and then you know the chorus I was like man I just I want to be I want to be real and the reality is that I went through hell and, and sometimes life is like that. And, and I even was like nervous about saying the word hell. And I was like, dude, there's, that's what it is. Like, there's no, there's not a, another word for it. Like that, that is the word. And so mm-hmm. I said, Hey, in the spirit of transparency, you know, I want to I be real and I want to be honest and in the spirit of being more human, you know, and having more humanity in what I do and being more real and honest um i just want to say it like it is and i know that people will relate and and i i want to say to like the the kid you know like dude i i get it like i'm with you and i'm there i'm with you and i know what you're going through and i know that you know what i'm saying but together man like we you know we can make it and we'll get we'll get through it together was just a poor boy playing in the schoolyard Didn't want to go home, back to my vocal Looking for a way out, wishing it was just a dream My pops and my mama, never ending drama Thought we'd be together, always and forever Custody battles, not how it's supposed to be I know you know 
exactly what I mean. We'll take this world on together. been listening to Dominic Bally here on Pure Worship Radio. And Dominic, thanks again so much for being a part of the program today. It's really been a pleasure to have you and hear about the new project and hear some of the song stories. And before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can get a hold of your music? Yeah. Uh, iTunes, search Dominic Bally. If you would like to get it for free, um, you can just go to DominicBally.com. The album is not released yet. It is releasing on October 28th. If you would like to get it before then, uh, we are having a CD release show at Reality Ventura in Ventura on October 25th. going to be playing a bunch of the new music, and it's going to be kind of a launch of the tour for this album. We leave for Brazil right after that. You know, we'll be pre-selling CDs there at that, that show. But uh, otherwise, you know, just go to DominicValley.com. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you, Dominic. Appreciate your time and pray the Lord continues to bless and use you in your music ministry. Thanks, God. And thank you for joining us today on Pure Worship Radio. We hope that you were greatly encouraged by our time spent together. May God continue to bless and keep you as you live your life of worship, responding to the grace of God. 